One. All right, we are live. We are live, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We are here with my new good friend, Sarah Elkins, and she is here. She tells us that she's going to explain that storytelling can build resilience in your business and in life. Is that what you're here to tell us today and show us, Sarah? Absolutely. Today? Yes. Awesome. Well, we, we shall see. We shall see <laughs> in this latest episode of The Authority Project. We are back and we're ready to go. I'm excited to dig into this to this subject here. We've got a lot to show you here today. And I'm so excited here. So first of all, before we get started, Sarah, tell us first of all who you are personally and then professionally. Well, personally, I moved from Washington, D.C. to Montana 21 years ago. Um, I had a baby and went right back to work in the D.C. area and came home one evening and took him from the nanny and went to sit down to nurse. And he smelled like her because oh. she'd been snuggling him all day. Yeah. And I had such a bittersweet moment thinking, oh, she loves him so much. She snuggled him all day, but he should smell like me. Mm. <laughs> so um, we, my husband and I, he found a job in Montana. And four weeks later, we loaded up an, a rider truck and drove across the country and moved to Montana. This was 21 years ago. Mm. And um, so I'm very adventurous. I love to hop in a car and go somewhere. It's shocking to me that I've been in one place for as long as I have, because my husband and I both moved around a lot as kids. He is the son of a, a, a retired Navy Admiral when he passed away. Um, and then, uh, and we just, I just moved. I went to four different elementary schools. So that's a little bit about me. I'm very adaptable. <laughs> I think it's because <laughs> I moved around so much. Yeah. Um, and professionally, I am a communication coach. I'm certified through Gallup Company for the Strengths Finder Assessment. So I do a lot of coaching of teams to improve their communication and understand how to use their strengths to um, communicate more effectively and understand better reasons a diverse team works so much better than a homogenous team. So that's generally, and I do keynotes and I have a new book out. So I, I get bored really easily. So <laughs> <laughs> I have my fingers in a lot of different places. <laughs> so I, I think you might have kind of gave us your story there, but if there's any more, anything in more in depth, since we are talking about stories, I wanted to start with yours. Is, is there anything else you want to dive into as far as your story, of how, how maybe you've got to this place of, Making sure, uh, realizing that story storytelling is the thing. Maybe, maybe we'll start there. Yes, it was. Um, I started a podcast uh, two and a half years ago. It'll be three years in December. So I have 140 episodes every Tuesday for for 140 Tuesdays, and um, the whole idea of it was to share people's stories and to understand what their pivotal moments were in their lives things that really impacted how they see themselves and how they see their place in the world, their role in communities and in relationships. And after, I don't know, 60 or so episodes, I realized that many people can't tell a story. Hmm. They don't necessarily know which story to tell. They don't know necessarily what the important aspects of the story might be. 
that will then help them connect more authentically with the people around them. So for instance, I worked with a CEO of a company in New York City and interviewed him for my podcast. And he had a really hard time identifying a pivotal founder's story. Like, why did he start this company? Mm. And what that does is it doesn't allow him to be able to build the advocacy in his employees and his clients that he needs. People want to, to be connected to what they're selling. They want to be connected to the products they're using. And when you can share a story about, say, working in government agencies in the public sector for so many years, that it inspired you to make things easier for other people in that sector or to make things easier for communities to communicate, this is why I do this. And having a very specific incident, like um, when I worked at a, a city and I was a public affairs person and somebody called me and said that they really wanted to be able to submit this form online. And they were really frustrated because they couldn't get in. They live 50 miles out of town. Their car isn't very reliable, um, but they couldn't submit this request online. And I found a way to do that for them. And I used the tool actually of, of what I'm talking about, um, the, the CEO of that company. I actually implemented his software for the city hmm. so people could submit things online. And it Really, it changed the way people communicate in our community with their local government agency. So having that story is really, really important. And that was having that podcast and drawing stories out of people, helping <laughs> them identify those pivotal moments. I found that is really important and people were underestimating the value of it and and also the their own ability in sharing it. They say, oh, my stories aren't that interesting. Yeah. So... So we talk about telling stories all the time. Now it's it's a big thing. We 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 were talking before for the show mm -hmm. that it's becoming more and more popular. That's a, that's a good word to say. You know about building a business on the backs of it. Mm -hmm. But is it that simple? Is it that simple just to you know I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you you know I hear it all the time. Tell your story. That's that that's that's your business. That's it. You know is it that simple, Sarah? That's no. <laughs> <laughs> not that simple. Well, it can be. It can be. Some people are naturals at it. Some people can engage an audience very quickly with a story and others struggle with it. But what bothers me at this point is that it's become kind of a buzzword as if storytelling is the, the end all. Once you can learn to tell a story, that's all you need to do. It's kind of like a silver bullet. And buzzwords have always bothered me because they take a, a particular instance and they take it out of context mm -hmm. and they make it its very own thing, but you have to have context to truly understand it. So um, it is simple. If you can identify specific moments in your life that you can share as a story, it is simple. If you can, if you have a personal brand that you already know and you're intentional about it, then you have a story that will help develop that brand and make sure that it's confirmed in the minds and in the minds and hearts of the people you're sharing it with by the stories that you're sharing. So it can be simple, but um, there's a lot of foundation work that has to be done before you can really use it to the extent that we need to be able to use it to communicate, to improve our relationships. And especially when we're talking about the circumstances now um, around racism and bigotry, if you can't share a story that connects people to you, 
you're never going to change any minds. I love it. So take take us, you know, I was, I was going to do two, two different things here. Now, now you got me to something else. But my first question was take us a few steps of, you know, don't leave us hanging, Sarah. Don't leave us hanging. Show us, show us how it may be a few couple of steps that we can tell our story better than, than what we, maybe what we've tried to in the past. Sure. sure. Well, I, my book is called Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will. And there are worksheets and exercises in it. And one of the exercises I do is I suggest that you consider three words you would want people to use to describe you when you walk away from them. So just start with three words because you can be consistent in demonstrating those words through your actions and your stories if you start with three and then maybe build. And I recommend that you do this exercise multiple times across your lifetime because those three words will shift. The three words I would use now are very different from the words I would use prior to having children, for instance. So um, start with those three words and start thinking about what you can do to demonstrate those three words in your actions and behaviors every day. So if you want to be known as a compassionate person, you have to consistently be compassionate in every aspect of your life. This isn't a in business versus at home because you are the same person no matter where you're sitting. So being able to think and be really intentional about how you want people to perceive you, what your legacy would be if something, God forbid, happened to you, um, you have to demonstrate that in actions every day. But there are times when you can't demonstrate something and you have to use your words. And so for instance, if, uh, if you want to be known as a team player and you're interviewing for a job and you say, I'm a team player, <laughs> how believable is that really? Like, okay, you've just labeled yourself, but show me. But if I tell a story about something that went wrong in my last job, that I was able to connect with the people that were impacted by it, I'll give you a specific example that's in my book. I was um, organizing a, with a, I was collaborating for the transfer initiative across the state of Montana. What that meant was my boss was the director of transfer initiatives, and we together were facilitating conversations all across the state with the subject areas that were taught at every system school and out of system schools. So even all the tribal colleges participated. We had seven of them sign on to participate. What we did is we created um, a spreadsheet that described every class that was offered in every subject area. So for instance, I had a math spreadsheet that had every math class that's taught across the state in that spreadsheet. Wow. And I used that spreadsheet to identify which courses might be considered equivalent so that if a student took it at University of Montana in Missoula and they transferred to Montana State University in Billings, that they could transfer that class directly. And we all know transfer is really hard on students and parents and pocketbooks. So this was a pretty important project. And at one point, I had a few hundred, probably five or six hundred classes on a spreadsheet. And I had done a lot of work on it, had worked through with probably two dozen faculty members that were teaching these courses all across the state. And at some point in the back end, when I was trying to organize it to be distributed, somebody on my team resorted the spreadsheet without selecting all of the columns. <laughs> so if anyone's familiar with Excel, um, you, 
this is this is huge yeah <laughs> <laughs> huge. because we disconnected the school the oh, the wow. code for the school from the classes that were being offered hmm. and um i figured this out after i was looking at it and i thought wait that doesn't look right and i went back to the original list that i had created and realized what had happened so what did i do well first thing i did was i went to my team and i said i don't know where this happened i don't know who did it but this is what we're dealing with. We're going to have to find a way to fix it. So I'm going to take the first effort and then I'm going to send it back to you guys. And you're going to have to look it over and see if you catch any glaring errors. But I'm going to call every faculty member that participated in this and tell them what happened so that they know to look at their courses and to make sure that they trust that I'm being upfront and transparent about it. And as a team, we agreed on this course of action and we moved through it. And I can tell you there was only one faculty member that really took it badly. Um, but the rest were all so grateful that we were transparent as a team, that this mistake had happened, that we owned it, and that we took it on to fix it and put in a lot of hours and effort to reduce the, the impact on the people, on the faculty that we were working with. Um, and so I tell this story because I want people to know I'm a team player. I want people to know I'm creative. What else can you tell about me as an individual and as and my work ethic just from hearing me tell that story? Awesome. That is perfect. <laughs> cuz <'cause, laughs> like you know cuz you know me telling stories like I want to I want to end it quickly. You know what I'm saying like you know well I'll tell you those stories but something you know it was just da, 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 da. you know I want to try to finish it in a minute. And maybe that doesn't have the most impact. But you may not realize that because you just because you're thinking that the person in front of you doesn't want to hear all of this depth and substance to a story, mm-hmm. and I think maybe that's the wrong thing to do. Am I wrong? <laughs> Am I right about that saying that that way? Well, I, I think you're right that people underestimate the value of certain details of their stories, okay. and so they cut it short because they don't think it's that interesting to people. Okay. And there are two aspects to that. One is as somebody who's listening to a story, if you really want to learn whether this person is a team player, you have to ask the questions that are going to uncover that aspect of their character. Just like um, if I wanted to tell you I was a good cook and I didn't know necessarily how to share a story about being a good cook, you could say, tell me about your favorite dish and how you make it. And because it's something that's meaningful to me, I could get into the kind of detail that'll make your mouth water and you'll be so hungry by the end of that story. <laughs> but you would have to ask me the question that would draw that out if I didn't know how to do it myself. Gotcha. And I'm not sure how I'm do- if I'm doing doing a good job already about pulling out your story in this interview, but <laughs> I'm trying my best here, but I'm learning. So I just want to dive back into what you're saying about the current, you know, state of, you know, the pandemic and you know the um, racial racial unrest in the in the country, and maybe actually globally. Mm-hmm. How important is that to to try to tie that into your into your companies now, or what you what you're storing, how how you're dealing with it? Because I've seen some people people kind of ignore it. I've seen some people dive into it head first. Some people who are not saying anything, you know, uh, not saying anything at all intentionally uh, for everything. And I think. And then this put the politics of everything. So how do you tell a story and be politically correct, hopefully? Or or so a point because I think a lot of people are scared about 
losing friends, losing business, right. and they want to say the right things, but they want they don't want to you know it's it's a it's a hard it's a hard subject on both accounts, not just the you know the racial inequalities uh, issue, but also the political issue, also mm-hmm. the pandemic and how people are, are trying to deal with that. Right. Um, how do you do that? <laughs> well, let's go back. There are two two parts of our previous conversation. One before we went live, we talked about Amazon. Yeah. I said I love to send people to bookshop.org. It actually damages my chances of becoming a better known author mm. by sending people to bookshop.org because you can't write a verified review on Amazon if you don't buy the book through Amazon. So I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot in a way by sending people to bookshop.org, but bookshop.org supports independent booksellers. Your little mm. independent bookstore downtown in Boston, yeah. whatever, six six shops that are still in existence and do a fantastic <laughs> job of getting authors in and carrying the books that your neighborhood wants and you know having these great locations for important conversations, you want to support them. So those booksellers can actually create a page on bookshop.org. And if you request that they put my book on that page, then they get the benefit of selling it as if they sold it in their store. So so I love the underdog. I'm not super excited about supporting Amazon. I know that they offer jobs, but are they good jobs? Are they supported Mm. jobs? Are they getting paid time off for sickness? I mean, that are they demonstrating corporate responsibility? I'm not so sure about that. So (laughs) for me, it's about putting my money where my mouth is. If I am going to spout off about how important it is to pay people and have sick leave, paid sick leave, so people don't have to take their sick kid to school, who then is going to share that virus, whether it's a standard flu or COVID, um, that's part of what's driving this pandemic is a lack of corporate responsibility. So I'm going to send people to bookshop.org. That's my message. Mm. So I think it's really important to know what your values are before you step into any conversation. But also there's the other side of this. If you are spouting off um, ranting about racism, but you're not doing anything, (laughs) then then that's not going to change anything. I think the most important aspect of our conversations, these difficult conflict-filled conversations, is to share our own story, our own experience in a way that provides lessons for ourselves and for others. So, for instance, I'm Jewish and I live in Helena, Montana. It's a very small Jewish community. We don't even have a synagogue here. There's no rabbi in our town. Mm. And um, I can't tell you how many times people have been ignorant about anything Jewish, which is not surprising because they don't really have any exposure here. Yeah. So I am, I know I have the luxury of, of not telling people I'm Jewish. I can fit in if I want to people of color don't have that luxury, but it's part of why I don't take that luxury. Any opportunity I get to put that into the conversation that I'm Jewish, I do. Mm. And it's partly because I know that I can represent other Jews in a positive light. I can be an ambassador by telling a story. And um, one of the stories I love to tell is that uh, many years ago when my boys were little, they were playing with a friend and I was out running an errand. And there was a guy in a truck who it wasn't running and I parked behind him. I ended up jump starting his vehicle. I actually went home, 
grabbed my jumper cables, came back, because Helen is a very small town. So that would have taken <laughs> all of eight minutes, right? It wasn't okay. a big okay. <laughs> um, upset to my schedule. But I also brought some goldfish crackers because there was a toddler in the car that wasn't starting. And I could hear her getting fussy. So I asked the mom, may I give you some goldfish crackers for the toddler? And she's like, oh, yes, of course. Thank you. So I handed them through the window. And then I went and jump-started the car. And as I was driving away, the guy stopped me. He said, wait, we don't even know your name. And you were so kind. Thank you. And I said, I'm Sarah. And he said, well, Sarah, that was real Christian of you. <laughs> yeah. The only Jewish person within five miles of this guy, at least, if not 100 yeah. miles of this guy. And he, he said that. So I had this opportunity to either get upset and be insulted or to take it in a way that could allow some potential for an open communication. Yeah. So I looked at him and I smiled kindly because I knew he didn't mean to be insulting to him. That was a compliment, right? Because yeah, right. he's Christian. So yeah. I looked at him. I said, actually, that was really human of me. I'm Jewish. And I drove away. Yeah. I didn't stay to make him uncomfortable or to have him try to you know, back up and, and make up for what he said or to get angry and defensive. I just drove away to leave him with that thought that mm. maybe, maybe he was wrong and maybe that might be a little insulting. Mm. Got it. Got it. So that maybe that, I, I got a few more questions. I, I, I'm not sure how long me, but yeah. <laughs> um, that kind of deals me into the next question. What is the biggest mistake you see when people are trying to um, tell their story? Well, there, there are two big mistakes. One okay. is telling a story without observing the audience. Mm. The wrong story with the wrong person can go in a very bad place. Um, so observation is the key to good storytelling. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but it's yeah. not. Um, when you see the person start to stand back or their feet start to face the wrong direction, or they cross their arms in front of them, mm. you've probably said something that's going to shut them down. And that's the biggest mistake I see is when people aren't paying attention to their audience. And I am guilty of that. <laughs> um, one of the things is when you go into too much detail. And my brother once heard me telling a story to one of my nieces, and he saw her kind of shutting down. And he said, Sarah, land the plane. <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's, I think that the biggest mistake that people do when they're telling a story is not observing the audience. And then the next part is when they don't share the story with the intention of drawing another story out of the person in front of them. So in other words, when you're sharing a story, you need to do it with curiosity and not judgment. Mm -hmm. And that means toward yourself as well as toward the person that you're sharing it with. So if you're telling a story that sounds like you're judging yourself harshly, you are judging yourself mm. harshly. <laughs> and so the person in front of you is going to see that and it changes their perception of you. Presenting it with curiosity, what lessons could I have learned from this? What lessons did I learn from this? How did I approach the next time I had this situation because I had this experience behind me? And then being able to understand that the story you're telling is going to jog the memories of the person in front of you. And that's the most beautiful part of story sharing is making that connection. I love it. I love it. So 
I'm going to, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here when people, you know, they see you, Sarah, you know, the storytelling thing, you know, we, we got it. We understand it. We, 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 I tried that already. Didn't work for me. I, I, this storytelling is a joke. You know, this is a bunch of hooey, you know, tell, <laughs> tell, tell, <laughs> tell the people who are seeing that right now, you know, can you give us like, you know, something, I, I know you've already given us some results, but tell us what, why, and sorry about this um, phone going off here, um, how, how important it is why you are so and we haven't even, even gotten with what the biggest part of this this um, topic was to build resilience you mm-hmm. know and how 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 is that all connected how how why are you so firm on this that you have to tell a great story well let's just look at a, a straightforward example in in a personal life story and this could be an interview for a job but we're going to use this as an analogy for work related stories you go out on a date with somebody and the whole time they're telling stories about their ex and how horrible that person is. They're telling them how they hurt them and how they took advantage of them and um, how they left them feeling really wounded and hurt. And while all that is probably true, how is the person in front of you taking these stories? Mm-hmm. How are they seeing you? First of all, they're seeing you as a victim because you're telling the story as a victim, not as somebody who's strong and walked out and learned the lessons they needed to learn and won't tolerate that kind of shit anymore. Excuse my language. <laughs> they're, they're seeing somebody who's complaining and sad and stuck. And one of the most damaging parts of that is that the person in front of them is wondering, well, if we went out for a few months and then we broke up, would you be saying the same awful things about me that you're saying about him? Mm. It leaves people... So there are two aspects of that story. And this happens in business all the time in interviews, whether it's media interviews or job interviews, you tell a story from a perspective of a victim and you don't come to the conclusion of what you learned from the experience. So there are two things that happen in that environment. One is you are telling yourself you're a victim. Your internal messages, your identity is shaped by how you tell that story. This is researched. This is, there's a a body of research around your personal narrative and how it impacts your identity. So not only are you telling yourself you're a victim, but you are also continuing that pattern because you're not figuring out what you learn from those experiences. And you're giving this perception to somebody in front of you that you may not want them to have. And you're attracting people to you that have that same mentality. So if you're wondering why the people around you complain all the time, <laughs> it might be you. Yeah. You you are the common common person in that relationship if you see this pattern. So yeah. I mean that alone is worth identifying the stories that you're sharing the most often. Ask a friend, what stories do I share the most? Are they about my ex and are they horrible? Are they about all the bosses that abused me? What what are the majority of the stories that I'm sharing with you? Dig, figure it out. And then the other aspect of why this is useful is, as I mentioned, I was talking about the the CEO, we'll call him Jack, of an IT company, a software company, that uh, he didn't have a founder's story. And he didn't really share personal stories with his employees or his clients. And he felt a disconnect with them. He absolutely felt like he wasn't particularly connected with them. 
Did he want to be? I don't know. But I can tell you that if you have that disconnect, if you feel disconnected from people, you are not going to inspire people. You just won't. You have to connect with people to inspire people. And you may be able to inspire them in the short term, but if you want them to change something and take action, inspire them to actually do something, then you have to connect with them. And the only way to do that is to share some level of vulnerability through a story. I love it. I love it. And I have one last question. This is great stuff here. I have one last question that I, sh- I, I, I ask all of my guests, and it's simply this. If there's a person out there now and they're listening to you, Sarah, they're very interested in you. They like you. They want to be just like you. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> they want to do what you do, should I say. And they want to be the, in authority in their field, um, basically doing what you do. Can you tell them just like one or two things that, that they need to, to do to get to where you are and where, you, where you've been, you know, to, to the point where, sure. where you are today? Sure. Well, there's a Richard Branson quote about um, when somebody asks you to do something that you don't think you're qualified for, say yes and then learn, figure it out. I'm a big believer in that. Um, I don't think there's ever the right time to step out of your comfort zone and do something new because you're always going to have a reason that you shouldn't or it won't work. There is no right time. So my first suggestion is if somebody offers you something that looks like an opportunity that can lead to something, just take it, just say yes and figure it out. There's so many resources out there for you to learn from. Don't think you have to do it by yourself. Develop a posse. Surround yourself with people who believe in you, who when you have some crazy idea, they say, oh, that's awesome. How can I help? Love it. Or yeah. they might say, oh, that's awesome. Did you think about this? Hmm. And they give you some questions that help you dig a little deeper to figure out, A, do I really want to do that? Because sometimes you don't. Or B, um, I'm going to hit this obstacle and I need to be prepared for it. So those those are the two things. Take the risk, step out, surround yourself with the people that are going to see you succeed and, and want to help. I love it. That's perfect. <laughs> perfect, <laughs> perfect messaging there. Unbelievable. I was so happy you came in today and, and it just really put it together here with storytelling because I think a lot of people, like, like, like you said, were just telling stories but no, don't know how to how to tell this story. Without intention. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So let us know now how people can get a hold of you um, after this show. Sure. And and thank you so much for having me on the show. It was such a pleasure to to get to know you before the show and over messaging and watching you on Facebook. It's been really (laughs) a pleasure. So thank you for that. Thank you. Um, Appreciate that. So my, my website is elkinsconsulting.com. I do individual coaching for, um, I use Gallup's StrengthsFinder tool as that assessment really helps me get started with people and understand what motivates them and how they learn so that they can really use what they do well naturally to improve their outcomes and relationships. Um, I'm available for keynotes, virtual keynotes right now. Mm-hmm. I can do them in person if they're outdoors and i <laughs> but, and I, I have, I, I just recently did a StrengthsFinder workshop with a team of eight and we did it really? outside in a beautiful garden. And awesome. um, yeah, it was really lovely. I love doing them in person. Um, mm-hmm. And my book, Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will. As I said, I send people to bookshop.org, even though it kind of shoots me in the foot <laughs> because <laughs> it, it's, I, I, 
as a matter of fact, um, some people have purchased the ebook on Amazon just so that they can write the review on Amazon, and then they purchase the paperback so they have the worksheet oh, stuff in front of them. That's nice. <laughs> that's that's the, that's the plan. That's yeah. the way to do it. Someone's saying here. Cindy is saying it is all about the transparency and telling the story. Just get her comment out there. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Cindy. And and matching your emotion with the story you're telling. So when I tell a story, when I told the story about moving to Was- moving from Washington, D.C. with this baby and having him smell like the nanny instead of smelling like me, that's, that's pretty vulnerable. That's not something that yeah. I would just randomly share. It has to be with intention. And, and you're right, Cindy, it's all about transparency. I love it. And I'm just showing your other places they can find you here on Instagram, mm-hmm. LinkedIn, and Facebook. Uh, Elkins Communication on Facebook, LinkedIn. I love this. The smile is free on LinkedIn. And Sarah Lynn Elkins on Instagram. I'm going to be following you there as well. So uh, just if you have anything else you can, you can share before we go, any last words of wisdom, we can get out of here. Anything sure. Else? One last thing. When you asked what I would recommend for people to do to take the next step and do either what I'm doing or what they love to do, I would suggest that you think in terms of being really present right now because things are so uh, uncertain and so many people are focused on what's uncertain in their lives. They're so focused on the future or the past that they're not being really present. So I would suggest that if you really want to do something new and something different and you can't just jump because you're providing health insurance for your family or you have a mortgage you have to pay, think about what you can do, what you're certain of that you can do every day for 15 minutes to get toward that goal. So if that means getting on LinkedIn and commenting on something so that um, you start connecting more authentically with a network there or writing a blog post or sharing other people's work on Facebook to establish yourself as a, as an authority in your field. Um, you don't have to create original content, but just do something to start building your digital footprint and to start building a network before you necessarily need them. That's what I would recommend. I, that's that's outstanding. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> that just take that there. If you get anything else, that get that last piece of wisdom there. Absolutely. Now, I just want to read it. Just emphasize again your your book. Your stories don't define you. How you tell them will. Incredible title. So get out there. Bookshop.org first. And then if you have to, Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble, the others. So mm-hmm. absolutely good stuff here. And last thing before we go, I'll put my ticket tape in there a little bit. We are in the third week of our product digital product giveaway. So we gave away a microphone, the one I'm actually using with the pop filter the first week. Yes, um, this last week we gave away the uh, the, the um smartphone gimbal stabilizer for oh, when that's you're so handy yeah. so we got to give away that on saturday so this saturday we got a um the audio technica um headphones for for podcasting or or studio work for musicians wow. or whatever that's going to be sold this so give them giving away this weekend as well so jump on that people if you want to get that we're in the third week and we're just going to ramp up those prizes. Trust me, I got some great things in the works. So we're going to get better and better as we go along. So get on that, go to the authorityletter.com and get on that. All right. And 
last thing, get a hold of this girl here. <laughs> She's amazing. She's amazing. Connect with her, talk with her. Uh, and so you can help build your story better and say it better, and communicate it better. And that's all I got to say for right now. We're getting out of here. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. And we will see you on the next episode of The Authority Project. Thank you.